Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. You can bring candy on Sundays other than October 10th. Um, I know that's, that's already passed. If you want to bring candy, next week would be fantastic. If you have not signed up to, to be a trunk at Trunk or Treat, and that is something that you are interested in doing, and you like to wait till the last minute maybe, Today's the last minute. Go ahead and get, get that done. Uh, you can find on the hub, you can find the signups. Uh, we could still use a few more chunks. That would be fantastic. As I was thinking about Trunk or Treat this week, I was reminded that it's been two years since we hosted a Trunk or Treat. Two years. It has been, it's been a two years, hasn't it? It's been an interesting two years. And not that you haven't already heard enough about me, uh, but six months ago, I turned 40 in those like two year spans. Yeah, no, please don't clap for that. <laughs> I turned 40 and, and at the age of 40, believe it or not, I still had all four of my wisdom teeth. Had being the word there. See, a couple months ago, I had to go in for oral surgery and they removed a couple wisdom teeth and removed another one that I get an implant in January, yay. And, and the, the part of this procedure that I was a little bit nervous about was anesthesia because I had also never been put to sleep for a procedure. And I've watched the YouTube videos. You know which ones I'm talking about. The YouTube videos of the people who are coming out of anesthesia and they start saying the most ridiculous things. I always thought those were really funny until I thought I could might actually be in one of those videos. And sure enough, after the procedure, I don't remember a thing about what happened. I really don't. And so my wife could be lying about this. But I told her on the way home, I told her that I'm a tough guy because she needed to know that. And then I got a little flirtatious, shall we say. Thankfully, thankfully, my wife was the only one in the car. There were no nurses. It wasn't in the, the, the room because that was the part that I was really nervous about. Uh, now, I enjoy telling that story because it's a little funny. I mean, I had a physical challenge and I went to see people who could help me with that challenge. It's a little harder for me to share that back when we were doing the renovation of this facility, right behind those doors back over there one afternoon, I had a panic attack. And after that panic attack, I went to see a doctor and see a therapist and I took some medication for a time to try to go from having a problem, having an illness, having a, a sickness to getting healthy. There's a tension around mental health. That's why that's really hard for me to talk about. And as we continue this tension message series, we're gonna look at this idea of, of mental health. There's a stigma about it. It's gotten better. Uh, college age people, uh, you have helped us make this better. I think that you have, you've brought this out and it's become more normal to talk about. But even in the church, there's a stigma around this, isn't there? And it doesn't, it doesn't take too much searching to find people who would say that if you struggle with your mental health, that, that you're weak. As a follower of Jesus, like, like I am, it's, it, I've heard over the years that, that if you, as a follower of Jesus, struggle with your mental health, then you're just not a very good Christian. You just need more faith. You must have a sin issue, or maybe, maybe you just need to pray more. But we know that, that to struggle with our mental health doesn't mean that, that, that we're a bad Christian, that we have bad faith, that, that we're weak. It just means that we're human. It means that we're human. And so what we're going to do today is talk about this because the last couple of years have been rough, haven't they? They've been really rough. With the pandemic, there's been the unexpected and the unknown. 
the unknown about everything. I don't know about you, but I've never walked through this before. The unknown of what, what's going to happen and what the, the new regulations are going to be. And, and, and I've talked to many of you about the, do I do this? Do I do this? How do I do this? And, and, and students, kids, remote learning. Boy, that was fun. I mean, seriously, it's been a tough two years. I was looking at some statistics uh, recently from the U.S. Census that showed that in 2019, uh, they asked how many people were struggling with uh, moderate to severe anxiety or depression. And for both of those, it was about 7%. This is pre-pandemic. In 2020, they asked the same question, and those numbers were 37% for anxiety and 30% for depression. And among young adults, it was almost 44% for anxiety. Moderate to severe anxiety. And we know that this is, not, this is not a young people issue or an old people issue. It's not a women issue or a men issue. I mean, men, we don't like to talk about this, but men are almost four times more likely to die of suicide. This, this isn't good. We need to talk about this. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like talking about this. It's not fun for me to talk and stand here and talk about this, but this is something we need to talk about. It's something we, we're going to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about this tension of mental health and that it is okay to not be okay. Before we jump in, I want to give you a few disclaimers. Disclaimer number one, I'm a pastor, not a therapist. I'm a pastor, not a therapist. So we're going to look through scripture. We're going to look specifically at Elijah, the prophet Elijah, uh, and, and at a moment in his life when, when he was not okay and see what we can learn from him. We're not going to tie up every question in the next 30 minutes. This is not a sitcom. Life does not happen that way. We cannot tie up every loose end. But what we're going to do is we're going to take those things that we like to keep in the dark. And we're going to bring them out to the light. Out into the light where Jesus, the light of the world, can do a work on those things and on us. The other disclaimer, you may need professional help. That is okay. If you need professional help, get professional help. It is a wonderful thing. I, when, I, when, I had, when I had my teeth issue, I didn't just pray about it. I went to the professionals, the people that God had gifted with the ability to help me heal. It's the same way with our mental health. When, when we need help with our mental health, we go to the people that God has gifted to help us. And I'll even step out on this. Medication is okay. God can use that to help us heal. The other side, the other disclaimer is that we're going to focus on the health. We could, we could get bogged down with, do I have a diagnosis or not? But, but all of us at some point, we, right now, we exist on a spectrum between thriving and struggling. And I think all of us would probably say that at some point in our life that we've felt something that we maybe would describe as, as an anxiety or as a depression that, that interferes with, with the way we want to live our daily life. And so this is an issue that, that I believe affects all of us in some way or another. So we're going to jump in. We're going to jump in with the prophet Elijah and see what we can learn from him. Before we get to the passage we're going to look at, I have to give you a bunch of background here on Elijah. Elijah is this giant of the faith. Uh, Elijah, he, we find him in 1 Kings 17, and the people of Israel and the king of Israel are, they have turned their back on God. 
They're not following God the way they should. And, and so Elijah goes to, goes to the king. God inspires him to tell the king, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. And sure enough, it stops raining, which does not make Elijah the most popular person in the kingdom. The queen, Jezebel, all around evil figure in this passage. Jezebel has the prophets of Yahweh, the prophets of God, killed. But a hundred of those prophets end up hiding in the wilderness, up in the mountains. And that's important for later on. Fast forward through a few other scenes in this passage. But at, at one point during the famine, during the drought, Elijah goes to the prophets of the god Baal. Baal is this, this fertility god that, that would have been uh, directly responsible for this whole idea of rain. And, god, and, and Elijah goes to the prophets and says, okay, let's meet on Mount Carmel. And what we're going to do there is we're going to build an altar and we're going to put a sacrifice on the altar. You call to your god and I'm going to call to my god. And the god that answers with fire is the one true god. Easy enough. So the prophets of Baal start calling out to their God. Nothing's happening. And you have to picture this scene here. You've got these 450 prophets. I'm guessing the king is probably there and who knows how many people are watching, but it's pretty much all these people and Elijah. And Elijah of all things, I mean, he could probably, they could probably say, kill him now and he's dead. But no, Elijah gets confident. Elijah starts taunting. Elijah says, oh, maybe he's asleep. Maybe you need to shout louder. Maybe your God has gone away. Or my favorite, maybe he's relieving himself, which means exactly what it sounds like, even if our English versions have sanitized it a little bit. Elijah's a little bit cocky. Elijah gets a little cocky in this moment, and then, of course, nothing happens, so then it's Elijah's turn. Elijah has water in the middle of a drought, has water poured upon the whole thing. Elijah calls out to God. God answers with fire that comes down and consumes everything. The water, the, the altar, the sacrifice, all of it. I mean, people fall face down that Yahweh, God, Elijah's God is the one true God. And then Elijah goes to the king and he says, it's going to rain. And it rains. I mean, Elijah, this giant of the faith, has seen God move in amazing ways throughout his life and ministry. This giant of the faith has just had this great great display on this mountain. And yet when Jezebel, the queen calls for his head, this giant of the faith runs away. He runs away. And that's where we pick it up in first Kings 19, beginning in verse three. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. I mean, Elijah has seen God move. I mean, we could say that Elijah is smack dab in the middle of the will of God. He is doing exactly what God has created him to do, has called him to do, and the results don't go anything like he expects them to go. What do we do? What do we do in that moment? What do we do? What happens to us when, when we, we were so confident that that was exactly what we were supposed to do? That business that you started and you, you believe God was, was leading you to start this business and the business falls apart. The relationship breaks, the, the school goes to online learning. What do you do when you feel like you were doing everything the right way, but the results don't go the way you expect? 
Elijah's not okay. It's okay for Elijah to not be okay, but he does something in this passage right here in verse three that I think is, is one of the first things we can learn from him. It says he leaves his servant and he goes on by himself. He isolates himself. I think the first thing we can learn is when we're not okay, don't isolate yourself. Don't isolate yourself. It's, it's a temptation to just isolate. Uh, for me, I do the same thing. I'm an introvert. Um, believe it or not, I am an introvert. Being quiet, being alone, I have no problem with that. But when I'm not okay, I tend to hide in the background, just in my little hole. But I've learned over the years that I need people, and so do you, because that's the way God created us. And so I'm so thankful that I have people like Pastor Nate. He'll just poke his head in the door of my office and, hey, how you doing? He'll come in. We'll have just a quick conversation. It's not probing the depths of what's going on. We're just talking. Maybe about the latest football game, something like that. But you know what that does for me? That reminds me that I'm not invisible, that I'm seen. And for, for, for those of you who maybe have friends or family who struggle with their mental health from time to time, you don't have to have all the answers. Whew. You don't have to have all the answers. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just help people see that they're not invisible, that they're still seen. So don't isolate yourself. Then Elijah, after isolating himself, it continues to slide from bad to worse. He says, God, it's too much. I've had enough. It is too much. Just kill me now. I mean, this is the same guy who was getting cocky around these 450 prophets of Baal. Now he's just done. But God meets with him right where he is. In verse five, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Elijah cries out to God, God, it is too much. And so God sends an angel to tell Elijah, it's okay, you've got this, pull yourself up. You've got this, you can do this. Nope, that's not what the angel said. The angel says, hey, Elijah, it's too much for you. I don't find that comforting. I don't know about you. I don't find that very comforting. If you, you, you tell me, wait, I was waiting for you to encourage me. But it's true, isn't it? It's true that in, in our lives, there are times when what we face is too much for us on our own. We read that, that with God, all things are possible. But with us, we're limited. We're very limited. We can only do so much. We need help. But God met him right where he was. God provides, of all things, food and rest. He doesn't give Elijah this big, long speech. He just gives him food and a chance to rest. And for some of us, whether you're online or you're in this room, this has been an exhausting season of life. And exhausting in a way that taking a nap during a really bad football game doesn't help. Like we're talking an exhaustion that just goes to your bones. I don't mean to oversimplify, but maybe one of the things that you need to do is give yourself permission 
to have a season where you rest and you eat well. But God meets him right where he is. And, and Elijah then, after he is, is, is refreshed, he goes on this 40-day journey. 40 days, a real significant number in Scripture. And it says he goes to Horeb. And some scholars suggest that this, this mountain that he goes to is the same mountain that Moses would have been on when he receives the Ten Commandments. Elijah is so desperate to see a move of God that he goes back to a place where he knows that God has moved before because he is in desperate need. And there on the mountain, he finds a cave, another dark place. He's isolated himself. He finds a cave that's dark place. I'm so thankful that, that we have examples in scripture of, of people who, like Elijah, giants of the faith, who weren't perfect and who didn't just have everything work all the time the way they expected. This giant of the faith is in this dark cave and it reminds me of the psalmist from, from Psalm 88, verse 18, that says, darkness has become my closest friend. Some of you are in that cave right now. Some of you online are in that cave or you have been in that cave. And yet God meets Elijah once again, right where he is, in that cave. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. I hear a gentleness in this question from God that I, I love. Elijah, why are you here? What is there for you here? Time and time again, we see God is meeting Elijah right where he is, not just in a physical way. Yes, he's in that, that location and he's meeting his physical needs, but God is also meeting Elijah right where he is emotionally. And then Elijah responds to God's question with what I would call a half-truth. Yes, things are not looking good. People have turned from God. Yes, he has, there, there's a, a call on his head, but I'm the only one. He says, I'm the only one left. What about the hundred prophets over in the wilderness in the mountains who are hiding? I mean, this is, this Elijah in the middle of, of his showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, would that same Elijah have said, I'm the only one? He's the only one. At least that's what he believes. Because He's in pain. And sometimes it's not the pain that gets us into trouble. It's the lies that we begin to believe in the midst of the pain. So the first thing is don't isolate yourself. The second one is don't believe the lies and the pain. Don't believe the lies and the pain. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to take every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ Jesus. Sometimes a train of thought will enter our minds and we think we have to ride that train to see where it's going to go. That's me right there. Ride that train. You can't do this. You have no worth. People hate you. God has turned his back on you. It's really easy to do that. It's really easy, but that doesn't line up with what this says about me. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. We have to be careful because when we are in pain, we are very susceptible to the lies that we will begin to believe. And so God, again, 
meets Elijah. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Elijah finishes his, his little speech and God says, okay, I, I'm going to meet with you in a special way. And so Elijah's ready. He's ready to hear from God. He says there's the wind, there's the earthquake, there's the fire, but God's not in that. And I wonder if this was confusing for Elijah. I mean, Elijah is, is perhaps on this same mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Moses would have seen God move in exactly those ways. Elijah had seen God move in those ways. Elijah had just seen God move in the fire. And all of a sudden, God's telling me, I'm supposed to watch for the Lord. He's going to pass by. And he doesn't pass by the way he, he did before. Have you tried that before where, where you're so desperate to see God move or to hear from him, that you go back to something familiar. Maybe it's a, a, a verse of scripture. Maybe it's, it's a, a specific location or a song or, or something where you go back because if I can just get back to that place, then I'm going to hear from God and you get there and it's not the same. It's not the same. And then it says that there was a gentle whisper. And God speaks to him. This gentle whisper or a sound of silence. We have trouble with this phrase in English, what it, what it really, even the depth of what it means. Implied in this idea is that God finally speaks in the silence following the storm. God finally speaks in the silence following the storm. He had been there the whole time, but he speaks in that silence. And I'm wondering if maybe for some of us, Life feels like a storm, even right now. Online, life feels like a storm that's just raging. And you're wondering, where is God in all this? For Elijah, God didn't come as he expected. God came as he needed. God, Elijah didn't need God to show up in the spectacular. He needed God to show up in the relational, right where he was. And that's the same way it works for us. It might feel like a storm, but my hope and my prayer is that you would eventually hear God speak in the silence following that storm. So don't isolate yourself. Don't believe the lies and the pain. And remember that God is with you. That sounds really simple, doesn't it? Remember, God is with you. It's not that clean. It's not that easy. Sometimes it is a waiting on God. Some, some of us have waited on God and we are crying out to him. Where are you, God? I need you. I cannot do this anymore. And you don't feel like God is responding, but I'm telling you, God is with you right in the midst of that. He has not left you or forsaken you. You must have that faith just to hold on and continue to seek God because he is with you. And at some point, my hope and prayer is that we will see that God God has been with us. It may even be in the silence following the storm, but we will see that he has been with us. 
He is with us. God meets Elijah in that cave. He has met with him all along, every step of the way. And he asks, he asks him again, Elijah, why are you here? Elijah gives the same response. And then God does something miraculous. God puts Elijah back on mission, back on the plan that he has for his life. He says, okay, I want you to go do this. This is, this is where you are to go and this is what you are to do now. Because Elijah's mental health challenge did not disqualify him from God's plan for his life and it does not disqualify you from God's plan for your life. Again, that would be one of those lies that we tend to believe in the, fa- in the pain. So perhaps for you, perhaps today is a day where you need to exit the cave. And again, I'm not saying we're going to solve every problem, but let's take what's been hiding in the dark, what we like to hide behind, and let's just bring it out into the light where Jesus is, where the light of the world, Jesus can take that brokenness and can heal us. If you're struggling, it's okay to not be okay. It is absolutely okay to not be okay. But don't isolate yourself. Don't believe the lies and the pain and remember that God is with you. Maybe not as you expect him to be, but he is with you as you need him to be. This is how God works time and time again, isn't it? We see it in Jesus. Jesus comes as, as, as a baby born to unlikely people. He doesn't come as a politician ready to overthrow a government. He doesn't come as a, as a mighty warrior ready to do battle. He comes as a savior who hangs on a cross and dies, is buried, rises again. He comes as not the savior they expected, but he came as the one we and they needed. So keep seeking. Keep seeking God. Don't give up yet. He is with you. And in all of this, in all of this, if you need to get help, get help, please. I love that we were highlighting Dr. Glover. Contact the office and we can get you in contact with him. If you're not comfortable doing it that way, come find me after the service and I will help connect you with with somebody who can get... Mental health professionals are a gift from God. Please, if you need help, please get that help. I want us to have a chance to respond to this. And you're maybe gonna think I'm crazy because here's, here, there are three people, three groups of people that, that have been on my heart this week. Number one, if you're online, this is for you too. You have, in, at some point in your life, you've struggled with your mental health or even right now, you're struggling. In a moment, not yet, I'm actually gonna ask you to stand. And I'm already standing, but I'm gonna, I'll just start. That's me. It's not fun to admit, but that's me. So in a minute, I'm gonna ask you to stand. The second group of people, as we were talking about this and as, as, as we continue on, you're thinking of, of specific individuals in your life. Maybe you haven't really struggled with mental health or, or you know people though that have. 
coworkers, friends, they may not even be in this room, but you're willing to stand on their behalf. You're willing to stand up and say, I, I am gonna stand and we're gonna pray for this person. So in a moment, not yet, I want you to stand. The third group of pe- people that, that have been on my heart this week, you're hearing all of this and maybe there's not a specific person coming to mind, but you want people to know that they're not alone. That you want people to know that it's okay not to be okay, but that we serve a God, Jesus, who is greater than any struggle we may feel. A God who can do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so we're gonna put our trust and our faith in him. So I'm gonna ask you to stand in just a moment. So all three groups, struggling currently, have ever struggled, have a person on your mind, just wanna show support. I'm gonna count to three and then I want you to stand. One, two, three. I want you to look around. Online, I hope you're with us too. I hope maybe we can get a wide shot. Especially if you're in that first group and you are struggling or have struggled, look around. You are not alone. I know you have been told in your mind, nobody else is feeling the way I feel. Nobody's going through what I'm going through. You are not alone. That's a lie. You are loved. We have a God who is with you right now. He is for you and this church is for you. And together we are going to break the stigma of mental health in this church in Jesus' name. Because you are loved. So let's pray for each other. Holy and loving Father, you are so good to us. You have been with us and met us right where we are time and time again, even when we have no idea. But God, today we pray for those who are struggling right now. God, I pray that even though it's hard to see, it's hard to see where you are, God, that they would see you. It may take the silence following the storm, but they will see that you are with them. God, I pray that that the chains of of depression, of anxiety, of PTSD, of, of bipolar disorder, of all the different challenges that we have, these chains would be broken in Jesus' name, that we would find freedom in you and you alone. God, we pray for the people by name, by name that you've laid on our hearts. God, would you help us to be the kind of friends, the kind of family, the kind of people that just help Others know that it's okay not to be okay, that you're not alone, that you are loved. And I believe that there is somebody hearing my voice right now who does not have a relationship with Jesus. And you need God in your life. You are thinking, I need your presence, God, in my life. So just pray with me on this one. God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. God, I've tried. You know I've tried. God, would you come into my life? Make me a new person. God, I turn from the ways that I have lived that have not been pleasing to you and I walk in your direction. I wanna be made new. I want to be free in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for what you're doing right now. I thank you for the 
the way you love us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, this is, this is not a fun topic, I know. And it's a different kind of morning. But I do believe that these are the kinds of things that, that we have to be willing to, to bring out into the open because Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one that we can depend on and look to. Amen? Amen. Amen.